Hey everyone. Hey everyone. I'm Emily. And I'm Maria. And this is the Open Plan Podcast. We're excited to have you here. Join us in navigating life and architecture as young professionals tackling career, education, social lives, and everything in between. Keep up with us on Instagram at Open Plan Podcast. So now let's get into it. Hey guys, welcome back to Open Plan Podcast. We're so glad to have you. Um, we're back for another professional interview, but this time it's one of our very own. <laughs> Maria. Yeah. Emily's interviewing me today. <laughs> That's right. We were talking and we were like, we haven't even done like a profile of each other in the industry mm-hmm. yet. We've done interviews of other people that have gone super well. Um, but why not start right here? Talk about our journeys. <laughs> Yeah, but before we get into that, how have you been? How's it going? Good, good. Um, so we're finally kind of settling into our house officially. Um, mm-hmm. We didn't have a countertop or a sink for like solid two weeks, three weeks. <laughs> That's tough. <laughs> yeah, um, but our countertop was delivered on Friday. Um, feeling good. And uh, yeah, I have... One huge thing with this house is that we have a second bedroom, mm-hmm. um, which we've never had before. And the second bedroom is like my office slash workout hybrid room. Mm-hmm. So I might kind of just like give a recommendation right now while we're talking. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> um, yeah. So for the workout area, one thing we did is um, a mirror is super helpful for when you're working out um, just for looking at your form, making sure you're not going to like bend your arm a weird way or like you're going to hurt yourself or something. So I've never had the luxury of having like a mirror in front of me working out at home. So what we did is Home Depot actually has very affordable, large, like frameless mirrors. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just looked it up before this. The one I got was like $27. It's a 24 by 36 mirror. Mm -hmm. Really big. That's very cheap. Yeah, we got two of them and stacked it, so it literally feels like a bar studio up in here. <laughs> so yeah, no, it's been a game changer. It's definitely motivated me. Um, I kind of went through like a workout slump for mm-hmm. a couple weeks because I just, I don't know, but I feel like having the mirror there. I'm like, yeah, I gotta take advantage of it. <laughs> it's like it looks so good. You gotta keep it up. <laughs> or I'm like, oh, I need a get back on that. <laughs> it could go either direction, whatever. <laughs> so yeah. So my recommendation is, you know, setting up a really nice like workout area for you at the house is been motivating for me and you could do it affordably through Home Depot. And then I also got like a pegboard thing from Ikea where you could like hang resistance bands and jump ropes and stuff like that. So I don't know. I'm very motivated by my environment. So mm-hmm. That's a tip. Are you going to start a workout YouTube channel now? No. So you have a cute set to film it? (laughs) Uh, Maybe in like a couple weeks when I – weeks, maybe months when I get back in the routine. Uh, But yeah. What about you? What's been up with you? Um. Not much. Well, after Jose finally finished his AREs – I don't know if I mentioned that. I think I did that – mention that on the last episode. Yes, last episode. So we celebrating. Had, yeah, we have a little bit more time on our hands over the weekend. So we've been enjoying some walks and going out and just enjoying the city before it gets too cold. And it's funny because like 
I remember when we started the podcast, every time we like set the scene, almost every episode we're like, so it's almost fall. It's almost cozy. Like we're almost wearing sweaters. We can't wait. (laughs) Yeah. So we're back on that because we've had our first like fake fall that they call in Atlanta and it's a little bit colder. But um, so we've been enjoying, you know, nice weather outside, not sweating so much. Nice. Which has been nice. Um, and my recommendation is kind of related to working out because one of my habits this year or like my goals this year was to be more consistent and things like that with working out and eating healthy and stuff. And something that really helped me was this book. It's called Atomic Habits by James Clear. Oh. And it's a like it's a self-help book, so don't judge me. But it's really practical. Like it's very practical and you can every time I I would read like a chapter or, you know, a section of it, there was already something that I could put in practice in like the next day. Wow. So, um it was really good it's just about, you know, making it easier and more obvious to have good habits and and making it harder to have bad habits. Oh. So, I'm going to really pick good that tips up. and techniques um and I really enjoyed reading. I'm sure I'm going to like reread it in a couple of years again because it's just great. Um, and it's a fun, easy read. So I nice. recommend. I'm always looking for a self-help book, but I feel like I don't know where to start because there's so many of them. So it's helpful to have like a personal recommendation that you are like, yeah, this is actually. Yeah, I guess it depends on what you want. Like there are some that are more abstract. Like I've read Essentialism, um, but that's like really famous ones, like the white cover mm-hmm. with like the cluster and like it simplifies everything if you are only do the essential things in your life mm-hmm. <laughs> but that one's a little harder to put into practice right the atomic habits was, was really easy because you he gives very easy examples that you can relate to your own life so nice it's a good one to start with okay i'm gonna add that to my list thanks for the recommendation <laughs> All right, now we're going to dive into our interview of the episode. This is so weird. <laughs> I'm going to interview Maria. And wait, you have to read my bio. <laughs> oh my gosh, we didn't have a bio for you. Is Should okay. I make one up? No, it's fine. It's on our Maria website. Australia was born in Brazil. She came. <laughs> Honestly, 1995 would- <laughs> is the. You would hear her bio if you watched our introduction episode. There yeah. Go. Or go on openplanepodcast.com. Yes. Go to the about That's section. Weird. Yeah. Um, but I will intro you by saying that, you know, you have a very unique kind of position right now and like your journey to get there, whereas you started as a designer and now Maria is a marketing manager at an architecture firm. So we thought this would be a really interesting episode for anyone who's interested in marketing and architecture, wants to similarly go into a role like this um i don't think it's very talked about about how you prepare for that role or what it even means Mm -hmm. um we have some very surface level like professional practice classes Mm -hmm. so maria's been in the position for like seven months and we knew we wanted to do an episode like this once she like you know got settled in the role and was like able to talk about it so we're at that point now Mm -hmm. um so thank you maria for joining us i'm just kidding (laughs) Thank you for the invitation. I'm flattered. I love what you're doing with podcast. <laughs> um, right. um, yeah. So I guess we'll just start, you know, big picture first. What's your position title? 
and what's your firm's name? Yeah, so I'm the marketing manager at Collins Cooper Carusi Architects. So it's about like a 30, 35 person firm in Atlanta. We're in Buckhead, right by Atlantic Mall. And most of our projects are in the educational sector, like K through 12. They have a lot of, um, they're very famous for that. They have a lot of schools around Atlanta and higher education, um, recreational, like YMCAs, things like that. And for us, it's really important to have clients that align with the mission that's like to serve the clients and serve a community and better community. So I really like that they focus on clients that are mission driven and want to better the community. So, yeah. Very cool. Um, yeah, the the culture at Collins Cooper Cruzy seems really cool as well. The kind of the client focused mm-hmm. team like atmosphere from what I've heard from Maria. Yeah. So how did you tr- transition from, I guess, a traditional architecture designer role to a marketing role? Um, because I know when you're first out of school and also your past internships, you've done architecture positions. So how did you find yourself or I guess like walk us through how you got into marketing and how that came about. Mm-hmm. So I think that during school, it was something that I we already do a little bit of that just during studio and, and architecture education things. But I think I was also dipping my toes into it when I was part of student organizations. Like I was actually the marketing chair for EQIA and some other things I was always interested in like doing the presentations and making the graphics and thinking about like the logo that we actually <laughs> worked on this is very for, <laughs> yeah for something so back this up <laughs> yeah <laughs> so I was always like into that I always cared about what it was gonna look like not just you know what it was every time we would have kind of like a lecture or interview with someone that came to school that had some sort of position like that or that did you know kind of a hybrid thing that they did architecture or they did graphic design or something like that. And I was always trying to ask them, like, how did, (laughs) how did you get a job like that without, you know, having done marketing for school or graphic design or, you know, having not being in that industry. And that was always really hard to kind of understand. And I think, I don't even know if I'm going to like satisfy that question because it's it's very unique and I think people end up in that position in so many different ways but um like I said during school I was always into that so I I was interested in it and then during internships I was also friends with the people in marketing and and trying to ask them what they were going to do or like what they did all day and Mm -hmm. you know I asked around if I could shadow graphic designers or shadow the marketing people in the firm because I was interested in how they package things and how they kind of get projects because I was always on the other end where I was working on the projects, but I didn't really know what the process was to, for like bigger projects, like university projects or, you know, public bids to, for architecture firms to actually win projects and how that whole process occurred. I had no idea. We don't really learn this in school. No, I mean, (laughs) which is, you know, crazy because if you want to start your own firm that's all you're gonna do (laughs) is marketing right so yeah so I I always was very vocal about it um and at the same time I was trying to do as much as I could um with these other outlets like student organizations and other initiatives in school so people knew that I was into it and that was that's one of my biggest pieces of advice to 
people that are interested in something that's not the traditional path that they are currently on, if you have anything else that steers away from it that you want to explore, make sure people know about it because then people Mm -hmm. will think of you when something pops up in their network or in their firm. So that's kind of how I ended up in a marketing position was because we had a friend that was working at this firm and they were, they mentioned that they were looking for someone to be the marketing manager and someone that, you know, could do both was interested, was from architecture in kind of in between. I was interested in marketing and she thought of me because I was always very vocal and we were in this um, student organization together. Right. So that's kind of how that happened. And then during the kind of interview process, it was always in this like back and forth between architecture and marketing and like what I kept thinking, what did I, what could I bring from both sides that I could contribute to and what could be my role there? Like what else can I offer other than just like a marketing Mm -hmm. box? Cause I didn't know marketing. (laughs) (laughs) So I was thinking of all the other things I knew that I could contribute to. So I right. kind of felt underqualified, definitely. Well, you, it was really but you scary. Knew architecture, so right, I think right, that's a huge advantage right there. It's like they're looking for someone. You probably can't market a product unless you, you know, know live it. the product or know the yeah. product. So that's a huge advantage. As you were mentioning, I think it's also good that you were very vocal, and I think that also allowed you to actually experience what marketing is like. At a, you know, you did a lot of kind of you. You didn't just like say you wanted to do it. You actually tried it. Like you shadowed mm-hmm. people. You try to help out where you could. And I feel like that gave you the understanding that you do like it. So mm-hmm. yeah. And it's something that you would want to pursue. So that's right. Good. Yeah. So that's how you ended up where you are now through a friend who recommended you. Um, and then once you got the position, what does a marketing manager do at an architecture firm? <laughs> um, so and. I'll speak in general for like the marketing department because a marketing manager can be very different in different firms. The marketing department and architecture firm is mostly responsible for the proposals that are going out of the firm. So how a firm gets a job is the client. So let's say Georgia Tech, it wants to build a new building for the architecture department or whatever. And so they they put out a, a document that is requesting proposals from firms. So they tell you, you know, how big the project is, what the program is. They give you a little bit of detail on the project, the site, things like that, and what they're looking for. And then each firm can prepare this book that's called a proposal or qualifications. And it basically puts the firm in the best light possible. It gives you the team that's going to be on there, the resumes, possible consultants, and everything that is there everything that goes in this book needs to be catered specifically for that project. So, you know, relevant experience needs to be a similar type of building, similar size, um, similar budget. There's all these things that go into it and experience on people's resumes. It can't just be like for an educational project, you can't just get a principal that's only done healthcare. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, there's all these alignments that need to happen. So the marketing department is mostly responsible for doing these proposals. And then once you get shortlisted, you might have an interview. Um, And that is also prepared by the marketing people in the firm. The interview is a little bit different, but it's basically the same thing. You're trying to convince the client that you're the best people to do that project. So that's like 80 to 90% of what the marketing department does in an architecture firm. 
But then there's all these other things that fall into it, like um, obviously websites, social media, all the types of like LinkedIn and Facebook and Instagram, et cetera. Um, award submissions, project photography, um, internal and external communications, like anything that's happening, you know, transition in leadership or, um, you know, anything that needs to be communicated to the staff, um, conferences and trade shows, graphic standards, brand standards. There's all, <laughs> I could go on and on. Yeah. Um, I just typed up some of the ones that it's I remembered, list. but yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's basically everything that isn't drawing buildings yeah it's like how the firm functions otherwise <laughs> right yeah um it sounds like through all the different responsibilities you have that a strong communication background is almost mm-hmm. most important that you're able to communicate your ideas really clearly and um you know whether it's graphically or even verbally when you're going mm-hmm. to the trade shows conferences um one question i had is like when you do one of these proposals um or when a project's out for bid is there a standard per firm, like the, what this book looks like, or do you cater it to what the client wants, I guess? Um, I think it depends. There is like a template that is based on our graphic standards, like just in terms of color and, you know, cover and, and tabs and page numbers, et cetera, and the sections. Mm-hmm. But each each request for proposal, which is an RFP from the client states different kind of sections that you need so sometimes they don't want resumes from the consultants so you only have your resumes from your firm and experience sometimes they don't want experience they just want resumes so Mm -hmm. those sections change but each firm kind of has their own style that stays consistent but then sometimes it depends on the client a little like not the graphics not so much but the content for right. sure. For a more innovative new STEM school, like a STEM high school, you might be more creative in the sense of like how you present new right. education spaces and the space, the photos of projects that you choose to highlight mm-hmm. um, versus a more traditional, you know, more conservative budge- budget school. Then you might not put the flashy projects. You might not put, you know, flashy text that talks about technology and like all these yeah. very expensive that things that they can't afford to put in their building. So it does change. It's definitely specific. There's no way we could just copy and paste and use the same one for other RFPs, but there are some consistencies between the firms. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Cool. Wow. Yeah. It seems like, um, a lot (laughs) on your plate. (laughs) So yeah, (laughs) but it sounds really fun. You know, honestly, like I think it's cool to be a representative of your firm like that and, you know, have a say in, how you're portrayed. Yeah. That's um, yeah, that was something that was really gratifying when I started and I realized the impact that I had in the process mm-hmm. is at the same time really scary. Yeah. <laughs> but it feels like a lot of responsibility, but you know, after a couple months I got used to it and it, it's fine, but it's really nice to have um control over some of the final product and have that kind of impact. So how about we walk through the day in the life of Maria <laughs> in marketing? Okay. Um, like, yeah, just yeah. Like from the, from the moment I wake up. Yeah, like how do you take your coffee? You know, I'm just well, you could tell us that, but yeah, you know, however detailed or vague you want to make it. <laughs> okay. Well, um, yeah, I wake up, I make coffee at home, um, and I read a little bit. 
and just hang out. I like my mornings really slow. And oh, I go to goals. the office. Huh? I said that's goals. <laughs> I have a slow morning. I mean, I try. <laughs> yeah. Some days I just need a little bit more sleep and, and I just kind of rush through it. But yeah. it's always better if I just take my time. Yeah. Um, And I go to the office around like 8.30, 8.45. It could be like the thing about this is every day is kind of different. Um, depends on what's going on that week. But um, sometimes – so we have a weekly – social media meeting where we kind of plan out what's going to happen for the next week. So that always happens in the first thing in the morning. Um, and then I might work on the current proposal that we're doing. Um, if I'm in the middle of a proposal that I already got everything that I need, I'm just working on the InDesign file, you know, cleaning it up and organizing things and um, putting together the projects. Or I might be emailing consultants asking for their qualifications because we have to integrate that into our you know aesthetic and our template mm -hmm. so um getting resumes from client from consultants and their experience and you know specific things um sometimes we go after projects with other firms so we're there are two architecture firms collaborating on the same proposal so that takes a lot of coordination so we sometimes have meetings um like just team you know, Zoom calls with, with other firms and, and trying to gather all that information, which is, you know, a lot of moving parts <laughs> when proposals are like that. They're a tad more complicated. Um, right. What software do you guys use, by the way, when you kind of compile the... InDesign. Okay. Yeah. InDesign for everything. Everything. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, and it's nice when other architecture firms or consultants also use InDesign because then it's a lot easier oh, for me. That sounds seamless. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just send them our templates like you format it and give it to yeah. me. Um, but then I usually have lunch in the office, but I bring my own lunch because healthy, you know. <laughs> hashtag health. Um, yeah. Hashtag health. Then what I've been doing lately uh, since we had a little bit of a slowdown on some RFPs, I've been coordinated some project photography. So getting in touch with principals that, and PMs that worked on those projects to get uh, kind of, you know, an idea of how many pictures we need, which pieces of the project we need to photograph mm -hmm. and coordinating that with getting quotes from photographers and the dates wow. and how do we go into a school full of children and take photos and, you know, <laughs> get waivers and blur their faces out and all these <laughs> things. <laughs> Um, so I really enjoy it. project photography is really fun. I've only done one photo shoot so far, which was the Georgia Tech baseball stadium, but that was really fun. Nice. Oh yeah. You got like, one. you had a friend come in, right? Cause you need like extras almost. Yeah. Banksy was there. <laughs> we didn't have enough people to go model. So we got some yeah. friends to come over. I often have these like impromptu meetings with my, um, director, the, the, business development director who's my supervisor mm -hmm. um just to kind of align things up with you know business development and anything that she does a lot of conferences and things like that so she'll tell me you know we have a conference coming up we need a book about our k-12 experience so like we have that too that's not a proposal for a specific project it's just a, a book showing all of our experience with k-12 right right um 
So that happens often, at least once a week. I'm, I also participate in the business development meetings. So there's a lot of alignment between the media that we're doing, like social media and website things with what we're pursuing. So do you have someone reporting to you yet or are you guys are looking to hire them? No, we're we're looking for someone to help me with the proposal so that we can not have to put the, everything else on the back burner when I'm busy with proposals because that's right. what's, you know, there's only so much time. Yeah. So you're the manager and then they would be the coordinator. Marketing coordinator. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. So let me know if you're into marketing. Oh, yeah. Send Maria a resume. Be vocal, guys. <laughs> let me know. Yeah. Cool. All right. So, yeah. So I guess you're well into the afternoon now. You've just attended a business development meeting. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Um, something else that happens a lot too is, is a lot of meetings to coordinate like interviews because the proposal is more me grabbing information from everyone else. But when there's an interview, the whole team gets involved, like the proposed team that will, would be on the project if we win it. And it's a lot more involved. Like, what are we going to talk about? What's the storyline? You know, how how are we going to show the experience without just talking about ourselves all the time? It's always about the client at that point. Mm -hmm. So there's more research into the project, the client, and a lot more collaboration. And those are really fun, especially, you know, the last few that were in person because we were finally, you know, collaborating in person in the room and like thinking about how to present something, which is very similar to project reviews and, you know, presenting projects. Yeah. Um, but interviews are like you have to sell the chemistry of the team. So they really need to talk together and like sound like a coherent team that is prepared, right? That's like, so and they're going to work together well. So, yeah, that's really fun. Yeah. And then I try to leave by 5.36. <laughs> and then I, I go to the gym. And then I go home and eat dinner and hang out with Jose and watch... <laughs> Sounds like a lovely day. <laughs> no, that was awesome. Very informational. Um, on I think I knew about the RFP process and the bid process, but I didn't consider the interview kind of chemistry and how important that is. I think it gives a client like insight into what it would be like to work with you. So you mm -hmm. want to put your best foot forward. Yeah. And make sure your team, like as you were saying, vibes together isn't talking over each other you know right probably a red flag <laughs> so yeah and it, and it's like very much you know depends on the client because you could be you know if it's a more fun client that mm -hmm. you know isn't so serious and they just want you know people that they're going to enjoy talking yeah. to all the time then the whole you know posture that you have is different versus some you know, super corporate, super serious kind of client right. that's like, you know, very careful. And there's a lot of like stakeholders and it's a much more serious environment. That's a whole different vibe. So yeah, I bet. So what's one thing you learned about marketing and architecture after you started? I mean, a lot, just marketing things that I didn't know. But mm -hmm. I think that one thing that well, marketing is like a huge term. I think that I know like 2% of it from from working in an architecture firm because it, it can mean so many different things. You know, if you're working for as marketing for, I don't know, automotive company, you know, it's completely different. Yeah. But marketing for architecture is 
it's very specific to like design. And I think that it has, it's, I don't know how I would have been doing this without an architecture background, like, especially for the interview process or the interview, you know, preparations, because sometimes they even, you know, start some early design concepts and you need to understand how to present that. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, it really is helpful to have a architecture background or a design background because you're, you're doing so much graphic design or yeah, graphic design and like portfolio design mm -hmm. that I don't know how I would do this if I only had like a, you know, a business degree or business or, you know, like a, even there's some writing, but there's a lot of graphics too. Mm -hmm. So I, I know a lot of people that are in marketing, they did, you know, like communications or journalism or something like that. But I think it's really helpful to have the design as well or some really good training, mm -hmm. you know, early on. So that's something that I didn't expect, but I'm glad because I, I like working my design brain. Yeah. So and you're also able to speak the architect lingo, you know, when you're getting mm -hmm. into the interview process too. I think you could kind of put your yourself in both positions. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. I think that if I didn't know the lingo and I didn't understand architecture, I would have to kind of just do what I'm told more mm -hmm. than than I do now because I I understand and I can you know if we need a diagram for something for an interview like diagram the site or diagram you know site conditions and what we're considering like I that's you know let's have yeah, a studio yeah so it's nice that that I don't have to like depend on someone else being free in the design side to to do that so I can right contribute yeah. with those two what's the most interesting part of your job <laughs> um one of the things that i was quote warned about <laughs> was that i would have to learn how to deal with everyone's personalities and at first i just like kind of brushed it off and i was like yeah i mean sure i, I can get along with people <laughs> but it is really like you you do work with almost everyone in the firm at some point in time. Like I've been there for six to seven months and I've worked with everyone multiple times. Mm -hmm. So especially obviously like the principals and the, and the project managers, cause they're involved in the, in the proposal process. But yeah, each, each person is very unique and has their own way of working. And, and I have my own way of working. So it's, it was, you know, obviously a learning curve, nothing happened. Like it wasn't, nothing went bad, but it's just a lot of, oh, okay, he does it like this, she likes it like that. And, and you know, for me to get information out of him, it's I have to do these things or I have to let them know really early and mm -hmm. give him everything. The other pe people might want to always want to be updated and all these things. So wow. um, I think that's interesting. I'm learning a lot um, of how to work with different people. Sounds like a little bit of psychology. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but I think that that makes sense, like even in a architecture designer role you're like this person tends to commun over communicate versus this person needs a little bit more and kind of adapting to that but at the same yeah. time I feel like you're on the receiving end where you need all these things from different people and yeah like, you definitely you have to be bold and not be afraid to like hunt people down and make them aware that you have to be prioritized because mm -hmm. some principles are 
heavily involved in projects. Some others are more in, in business development. So then they care, they, they put proposals on the front end of, of their, you know, task list. Mm-hmm. Some others might be really, you know, busy with, with projects and design and things like that. So that is always about communicating and letting them know, look, this is due tomorrow. You need right. to stop designing and give me a cover letter. <laughs> Do you think it's, like, made you more confident in how you communicate or maybe, like, you are speaking with people who are, you know, principals or higher up before you might have been more intimidated, but have you just, like, gotten past that now and, I don't know, got more confident in that? Yeah, at first I I was kind of scared, but then once I realized that the proposal is in my responsibility, then I was, like, I didn't, I wasn't afraid anymore because I was, like, it. I need to do this for the firm. The firm, everybody wants this done well, and this is my baby. So, yeah. you know, I once I realized that and took ownership of it, then it was easier to just be confident in the fact that, like, I need this from you, or mm-hmm. this isn't, you know, what we talked about. I need this by this time, etc. So, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing I was going to say, it's really interesting, and I really enjoy kind of the research part and what I, I think I mentioned this earlier, like collaborating in the presentations, like crafting the narrative of what we're going to say in the interview and how are we going to cater everything that we have to look our best right. and kind of present our best foot forward. And that's always different. So I think that's really interesting. And you kind of touched on, I guess, the pros of the role a little bit there with what's interesting, what you enjoy about it. Are there any other like pros of the role that you want to mention or? Yeah, I did talk a little bit about that on like my typical day. I really like that there's a lot of different things I can do. Um, and a lot of things fall under my umbrella, which is stressful. But um, when I'm not deep into a proposal, I can vary my day a lot. So if I, I'm not, you know, pigeonholed into doing the same thing for a long time. Yeah, it definitely sounds like every day is different, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah. Most of the time it isn't unless it's like that one week where we have that one huge proposal and I'm just working on that one proposal for a week. <laughs> right, right. right. That's but that's, you know, that changes. But then the next week, you know, it's gone. That's also one of the, my other pros is like there are deadlines, but they're short. So it's not like an architecture project where you're working up to, you know, 100% DDs and you're just like building up that pressure and, you know, you're working on it, but you know, you know, it's coming, but it's a longer kind of burn versus my deadlines are shorter, but they're kind of sudden sometimes, which is also a a con (laughs) because sometimes something comes up like a, a, the, the public uh, request for proposals are usually a month that you have that from the moment that they advertise it to the moment you have to turn it in, but private, private schools or private clients, like they don't, they don't have to follow that. So they can put out an RFP today that's due next week. And if we decide that we want to do it, we, we need to do it. <laughs> yeah. And it's an immediate so, thing. Right. Right. And then that's like where the management comes in. It's like, okay, I was working on this other proposal that's due a little bit later, but now I have to drop it and mm. do this other one. Yeah. How about the cons of the role? <laughs> yeah. Well, that that's one of them. And I would say maybe like, the inconsistency so some weeks are crazy some weeks are super chill so it's kind of hard to predict when you're gonna have time um so scheduling things and and planning out even meetings or or things like project photography things like that that when an important proposal comes along 
have to take the back seat, but it's it's just time management. You know, when you have things scheduled out and then things get crazy, you just have to kind of um, delegate things and, and reorganize your schedule. But right. that's kind of a con because it's very inconsistent. Yeah, that makes sense. But I feel like you're good at juggling multiple things at the same time. And it. I think the stop and go could get stressful, but I think it's also, you know, works in your favor too that you have like breathing room between the short deadlines Mm -hmm. um yeah i i learned after a few months (laughs) to really take advantage of my relaxed weeks because (laughs) during the crazy weeks i have no time for anything other than proposals and i'm always like oh i wish we had time to do this and then when i have a chill week i'm like okay right now i have time (laughs) (laughs) amp up for the next one yeah all right so now we're gonna get into some advice so if you, you know, are in an architecture position right now and want to transition into marketing, or if you're still in school and just want to hear what it's like to work in marketing, um, we're going to kind of dive into what you can do to prepare for a role like this. Um, so Maria, what can you add to your resume to get a, or get into like a marketing role? I would add anything that's a productive kind of effort that you have that includes that that needs skills that are are beyond your technical and design skills so if you're coming from architecture um and you only have you know your education your architecture experience and your skills are like revit and you know modeling and all these things um i would add things that add a little bit of diversity to your skills so definitely if you're part of student organizations or any research initiatives volunteer work or like a productive hobby like I have the podcast on my resume and that was actually huge and I'll talk about it later anything that you are doing that requires other types of skills that can be applied to marketing and talk about them you know when you're in an interview um, or you're talking to people you're like oh yeah you know I'm really interested in marketing actually you know tried it out a little bit in school I was actually the marketing for this organization or I did you know I made graphics for the school lectures or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's huge. So definitely put that on there if you want. Um, Because then if you talk about it and it's not on your resume, they might not remember it. You know, like Mm -hmm. it's always good to we talked about this, I think, on the, the career fair one or the interview episode. But it's like put everything on your resume that you want to talk about and you can point to. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely helps to have it right in front of you instead of having to remember, like, you know, oh, I need to bring this up and stuff. But I think people, when they read a resume, are just looking for those key points. So totally agree. Yeah. And one example I could give is the – I had a mentee for um, – she was a Brazilian student that was applying for a grad school here, for grad school in architecture. And she was, you know, building her resume and her personal statements and stuff to apply for universities here. And – she actually, during the beginning of COVID, she she's an architect, but she participated in this um, research with Oxford University um, that they were, you know, gathering data, COVID data from Brazil. And she helped like gather data and organize the data and all these things. So she was part of this team that her name was like on, on this report that was um, at Oxford University. So that's like a totally unrelated thing. But she was like, oh, should I put this on there? And I I told her absolutely. I mean, that yeah. shows that first you did something when everyone was at home, you know, thinking about the world ending, <laughs> um, which is hard. So, 
right. Shouts but you should uh, praise yourself for, or give yourself props for that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's like research and it's unrelated to your field. So it shows that you're, you're interested in these things and you're expanding your horizons. And it was volunteer work. So that, that speaks to your character and all these things. I mean, you can spin it anywhere you want. Right. So if it's a valid, productive thing that you're using skills to do, I think it should go on your resume if you're looking for a slightly untraditional, you know, path. I totally agree. And you kind of touched on this, but like you pointed at different experiences when you're interviewing, right? Like, so mm-hmm. different things you did in school. Um, do you want to talk a little bit more about what being a marketing chair for EQIA was like and how that might have helped you out or, you know, the podcast, you'll get into it. But <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the... The friend that got me this position, she was also part of that organization. So when they started talking to me, they were already asking me these questions about this organization and the podcast. So for EQIA, um, I would just tell them exactly what I did. Like I worked on the graphics and for the whole you know forum, we did the website and um, the pamphlets and just the whole graphic identity Um and I would always talk about how much I enjoyed it because my my storytelling, <laughs> I guess, in my interview was, okay, I'm an architect. I did architecture school, but I was marketing for this and I really, really liked it. Even though right. I have like no education in marketing, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> and <laughs> I, think I, I think I did a good job, you know? <laughs> right. So I, I just emphasize that. And the, if it did it did help that our organization had like a noble kind of mission. So it was just all like a good thing to talk about. And the podcast, they were super interested in it in the sense of like, oh, like our firm should have a podcast. Like that, that's how they were interested in it. Um, and I was like, oh my God, I can't have two podcasts. <laughs> You're like, yeah. Um, <laughs> but that is also like a unique way that we could, we're using our skills, like social media and c- communicating with people and it kind of showed that I'm not afraid to, I guess, talk to people in public and tell everyone my problems. <laughs> Your recommendations and... Yeah, <laughs> you know, what I watched last week. But right, yeah, the, it, it was just a way, as long as... I mean, it's not even about what what you're talking about. It's just what you're pulling away from it. Mm-hmm. And it, obviously, you can't just like stretch it too much. But it, I feel like whatever you're doing productive, you can definitely pull out skills, soft skills, or, you know, communication skills that you're using that can be applied to something else. Mm -hmm. No, definitely. I mean, everything you mentioned, I think applies to marketing and it's not Mm -hmm. even that you like stretched it. You kind of just told them straight up, this is what I did. And I think the biggest thing is like that you sounded passionate about it and that that's probably what they're looking for in the end is someone who's motivated and like, willing to learn even because I think at a certain extent even for architecture it's like they're looking for your personality like and right yeah um, certain nobody knows everything yeah exactly yeah um and of course you know my next question is gonna be like how do your skills from architecture school come into play with marketing and you kind of touch on this with the softwares and things like that so you did have a good base so do you want to kind of right go into how architecture school helped out with your marketing role yeah, I mean, other than the the technical part is basically the, you know, portfolio design and and your 
how you design your final boards and how you're what the curating your what you have towards a purpose right right so you're presenting your project you're you're not going to show all the drawings you've ever done that semester that's actually something you probably do as a freshman I definitely did that <laughs> but once right. you're like later in school the teacher will tell you you know um you can eliminate some stuff yeah you could pick and choose like <laughs> pick the best I, ones I remember yeah. thinking I needed to include every single drawing in a portfolio I was like I don't really like this one but I put it on this page anyways <laughs> like, just to fill it up yeah <laughs> the length yeah. is not important here yeah yeah no so it's it's about like pulling out what you already have which is similar to you know a firm we already have the projects we've done and the people and the experience so it's like curating that to the best way possible to like an envelope of amazing things that you've done the best. and presenting that and convincing people that you're the best team and most qualified. Right. So that skill, I think it's useful for anyone in any industry, mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, it's a little bit more graphic, of course, in our industry. But so yeah, presenting projects, just the way you talk about projects, um, that was really helpful. Um, and then something a little different that I guess I don't really know like where I learned but I want to say it was you know a little bit of the professional practice one and the making money in architecture class we had because it it kind of treated us as more than just designers and I learned that there's other skills that I have that I can contribute with that are not just what I'm learning in studio or what I'm learning in you know any more theory-based class, that's one side of it. But then I'm more than that. I'm more than just a designer, you know, an architecture student. You know, I have other qualities and other skills that can differentiate me from everyone else or can put me in a unique position to do something different than just the traditional architecture thing. Go outside the box a little bit, yeah. Yeah. So I started seeing myself a little bit more complete like as a whole person not just different skills mm-hmm. if that makes sense that's deep <laughs> i found myself just kidding i'm still in my 20s I'm i still in my journey <laughs> that was all the questions i had for you <laughs> so this was a very uh this is an awesome interview great job um i Thanks. learned a lot and I'm sure our listeners learned a lot because the whole marketing thing is pretty mystifying in general, I think. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I mean, I will say like, this is just a tip of the iceberg. I obviously haven't been there doing this for that long, but this is what I've learned so far and it's what I do on the daily. So, mm -hmm. but it would be, it would be nice to like learn more about, I'm still, I'm trying to explore and talk to people that, you know, have done it for longer and see what, what the boundaries are, you know, within an architecture firm and then what is marketing at other types of industries, you know, there's all these other things. Yeah. Um, like you were saying you're a part of the Atlanta marketing group on Facebook, right? Or it was like yeah. marketing professionals and that's interesting. It's like marketing too. communications and like half, I would say like 90% of the posts, I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> so, it's so different. There's a lot to like- learn. I took a marketing class in undergrad because I was a business minor and it was very interesting and definitely a lot of stats and data analysis and stuff like that. A lot of them are more involved in like advertising and campaigns, you know, 
um, and analytics like social media analytics. So mm-hmm. for us, social media is more of a front, you know, the storefront of our firm. It's not so much um, your entire. We're not trying to get like a million followers. Yeah, <laughs> but no, a lot of businesses, it's like their whole business model is focused on. Yeah instagram and how they make money on it so yeah that makes sense yeah my friend janani is in marketing um and it's just like totally different than what you just explained <laughs> so yeah <laughs> i think we need a new word <laughs> yeah let's it's getting too big architecture sorry guys caffeine is hit um, anyway you would think we're like drinking wine but no it's sunday no. morning <laughs> That's just me. I'm just kidding. (laughs) All right. Well, that was an awesome interview again, like I was saying. And if anyone has more questions for Maria, you could always DM us Mm -hmm. and DM me, Maria, personally, or you could DM our podcast Instagram. Um, We'll probably do like a little Instagram poll situation. Maybe if anyone has any further questions Maria didn't get Mm -hmm. to, or um, we could always answer it there. Thanks for listening as always. Um, we appreciate you guys. And um, you can listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or our website. And check us out at Open Plan Podcast on Instagram. Yeah. We hope you enjoyed it. See you soon. Thanks, everyone. Bye.